Oh, hey there, folks. This is Kate Gaffney, your host of Service from Hell. And I'm popping on here to let you know that this is part one of two with the lovely and hilarious Rachel Green. We could have talked forever and ever and ever, but we were limited. So we went as long as we could, but had to split it into two parts so that you could enjoy it over two weeks time. So find Rachel on all of the socials. Rachel's information is going to be in the show notes. And also we state it as we always do in the episode. So make sure you find Rachel on all of the socials. But yeah, this is going to be part one of two. So you will hear Rachel this week and next week. So make sure you join us back next week to wrap up this lovely episode. Thank you folks so much for listening. Let's get on with the show. You're such yeah. a trooper. Thank you. Okay. No problem. I do this with everyone, but Rachel Green is how I pronounce it, correct? It's you not, got it. Okay. Yeah, everybody screws up Kirsten's name, poor thing. I'm so, not Kirsten. I'm not <laughs> Kristen. I'm Kirsten. <laughs> she said that because I, I asked her, I, I interviewed her yesterday and I asked her yeah. the pronunciation and I got it right. And she was like, no one ever gets it right. I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, she could not stop raving about you. She's so. the best. Yeah. All right. Uh, are you ready to go? Yeah. Okay, let's do this. Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles, and at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, comic, actor, violinist, singer, and VO artist, Rachel Green. Yes, I said the name you know from a very famous show, but this is her actual name. She's not doing a bit. Rachel is the other half of the wildly successful live comedy show in New York City, The Boss Bitch Show, that is also now a podcast. And you will know her from the TV, though, because she's been on a lot of my favorite shows, but one of them was Law & Order SVU, and I'm definitely asking her about that. The Flight Attendant, Inventing Anna, which all of you are upset with just to name a few and has been described as someone who will make you laugh while reading your energy with the crystal up your butt which is a great quote and she would absolutely fit in in LA I better know Rachel from meeting her right now in real time on the podcast as we speak so Rachel welcome thank you for being here what got you into comedy how much fun was SVU tell me every fucking detail because I love that show oh my goodness what an intro thank you <laughs> well, it's nice to meet you nice to meet you too. um and I, I actually I hated LA at first and now it's growing on me and now I kind of want to move there. So oh, welcome. working on a little bi-coastal. Hell yeah. yeah. Gosh, comedy. Wow. Well, mm, the <laughs> long story short, uh, I've been playing violin my whole life. My parents are French horn players and they were like, don't be poor like us. So <laughs> I went to school for finance and <laughs> absolutely hated it, but trudged through. And uh, I did spoken word and thought I was going to be like a national poet standing on my little soapbox, you know, whatever. (laughs) And then I was doing singer-songwriter stuff, and I uh, I took a singing class that incorporated acting to make the songs more connected and authentic. And then I fell in love with acting. And I was like, oh, shit, now I'm an actor. Now now I'm one of these people. Fuck, you know, because I had dated... (laughs) I had dated an actor for three years and, you know, he was, you know, an actor. Um, like a bad Shakespearean actor. No. Yeah. Oh, that's worse. Oh, that's worse. Oh, oh my God. Like, <laughs> and, oh, my God. And, and poor thing, you know, he is a 
Puerto Rican and Dominican, so they didn't tend to put him in the lead roles, unfortunately. You know, he's not Denzel. And, you know, I went to see a show of his once and my friend and I were really stoned and we walked in late and it was in the basement of a church. People were asking us if we were there for an AA meeting. (laughs) And when we finally get there and we're watching and it's like Antony and Cleopatra and we're watching and we're watching and we're we're like, when is he going to come out? Like, what's happening? And his one line was, Caesar, I shall. <laughs> and he just like completely overhit it, overacted with his one stupid line. Uh, and I'm like, you made me sit through like two hours of Shakespeare for one line. Like, what a good, me. he must have been so good in bed. Good for you. Like, that's amazing. Oh yeah, he was great. <laughs> <laughs> like a perfect penis. But anyway. <laughs> Except when we broke up, I was like, can I just like make a mold of this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right, ladies. We we get to we get to have those fantasies too. Okay, so you so you're like, oh I'm an actor. Let me answer your question. (laughs) (laughs) So I became an actor and then yeah, then I started like, you know, I got more into it was first it was like theater, musical theater. Uh, you know, I was like a an actor, singer, musician, mover, whatever they called it. And then uh, I got more into like TV and film and then I took some improv and then I was trying to write a pilot that was about my like sex and dating life. And it was going to, you know, like I dipped my toe into like, I was polyamorous. I was, you know, into, well, I guess I'm still into BDSM, but like, not like, I'm not like in the scene, but you know, I like to dabble and, and I've been to Burning Man. And so I was like, there's a lot of like alternative shit that I've experienced that the mainstream person may want to know about in a funny way. So it was going to be like a broad city meets girls. Um, and But I'm not a pilot. Thank you. But I'm not a pilot writer, right? So wow. I sort of hit a wall. I should have taken a class, whatever have you. I'll probably go back to it at some point. But anyway, uh, my friend was like, dude, you have all these like crazy stories. Why don't you just tell them through stand-up? And I was like, ah, fuck stand-up. <laughs> People are miserable. <laughs> I mean, facts, but also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And he's like, oh, just take a class. So I took a class at one of the big comedy clubs in New York and shall not be named. And it was, you know, they didn't teach us anything. It was just like a safe space to do jokes, right? And then, yeah, I sort of fell in love with it. And I was like, oh, God damn it. Now I'm, a, now I'm the other thing, though. I'm, oh, I'm a comic now. <laughs> Shit, you know? <sighs> Your poor parents. So, <laughs> You're like, I'm going worse yeah, they were than just French like, What is happening? <laughs> Why? You know? And then they, you know, much like with acting, they saw me and they were like, yeah, fuck, you're good. Like, yeah, all right. Like, please don't quit your day job, though. And I'm like, and I do still have my day job, you know, because, yeah, you know, because comedy pays you so much money. You know, <laughs> you just love to work a lot. Yeah, I get it. I mean, yeah, it's super yeah. fun to be tapped out on everything all the time. Yeah. So from that, I did meet uh, an awesome uh, woman, Jack the Stripper, who's a former uh, stripper and comedian I met in that class. And we ran a show for five years called The Venus Flytrap. And she actually just moved to LA. Oh. And yeah, yeah. Great people. And uh, yeah. And it was a, a similar theme to The Boss Bit Show in that it's very femme forward, LGBTQ, POC, you know, like, Pretty much everything except like cis straight white dudes, unless we they, like you. And they make, need make help. An what are you talking they about? Really they need, need a platform. They really need my help. I know. I know. For they babies. Really need my help. <laughs> yeah. So and and 
Kirsten and I take turns uh, headlining and hosting. And a lot of people have said to us, like, you know, you guys are so great together. Why don't you do something together? And we were like, oh, let's make a podcast. So here we are. I love it. And so uh, listeners of the podcast of, of Service from Hell will know Kirsten. Uh, she has been on the podcast before and you will remember her crazy stories of working uh, tangentially to Trump. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, go back. Yeah. OK, so your combo of the two of you, she had mentioned that you guys sort of met in the in the circuit of doing of stand up. How did you mm-hmm. know that your energies would align? Was it just you guys were cool in the green room and you're like, oh, we're we're both rad people and here we go or did you actually perform together and then decide it um well so so we started out i did her show in the attic of the pit (laughs) it was literally like this tiny ass room oh my god that got so hot you had to have like a giant fan so you didn't like asphyxiate yourself you know (laughs) and it it held maybe like 10 people it was awesome it was like it felt very like avant-garde like old new york and um she, uh, I don't know, she, she's very sex positive. You know, yeah. I think she maybe told a joke about um, her labia and she told, and I told a joke about queefing and we were, uh, it was love at first love sight, it. you know. <laughs> love at first queef labia joke. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we became friends and, you know, we would like do each other's shows and, and we hung out and during the pandemic, we got closer as friends. And then, yeah, uh, when my other, my you know, Jack, when she took a break from comedy, I still wanted to produce. And Kirsten and I started talking and we were like, oh, shit, we should do a show. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. That's kind of how that how that happened. And okay. we still talk about our labia. As you should. It's part of your body. Yeah. It's like your fingers. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay, so I have to dive in and I know it's probably annoying. So two things. Do Does everybody mention your name and they're like, oh my God, from friends, like, are you that rich? Or do, do people make jokes or, and does that bother you? Or are people mostly over that since friends was 100 years ago? You know, I, I'm at peace with it as much <laughs> as I'm at peace with um, people talking about my breasts, you know, because uh, both things are very talkable about, if that's a word. Talk aboutable. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so funny because when the show first came out, no one said anything. It wasn't until the show like went into syndication that suddenly people were like, and I think I remember the first time it happened to me, I was at, an, I was at a musical theater audition. I could picture it. And they were like, Rachel Green, wow, so familiar. Did we go to school together? And they went through a whole thing. Um, much like I had done with Anne Hathaway at a bar once. Um, <laughs> and she's so nice. She let me like go down like what school I went to, what <laughs> camp I went to. And then 10 minutes later, she's like, have you seen The Princess Diaries? And I'm like, oh my God. Bless her. nice person. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and then eventually they were like, God, I just can't, I can't place it like, why does your name sound so... And I was like, did you watch Friends? And they were like, oh my God. Yeah. And then it just Snowball. It kept happening like every time after that. And there was a point where like it literally would happen once a day, every day. Ugh. And then, yeah, you know, I was kind of like, well, I guess it's a good icebreaker, you know. I, I don't love when people try to be funny about it because it's like, it's it's synonymous with like when I go on a date with a man and... They try to make me laugh. You know, when you try to be funny, you're not funny, you know, and they'll tell me some stupid joke. And And I'm like, like, oh, God. 
Oh, that was a joke? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Those always end well. Yeah, women don't do that. No. What? Shocking. um, Okay. So, and then I have to know, because I'm obsessed with the show. So what was your experience like on SVU and how can I see you? Because I'm immediately going to watch this episode when we're done recording. Oh, it was amazing. I'm obsessed with Mariska. Oh, I love her. I I would like worship at her feet if if that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like season, season 20. Oh, so not that long ago. A couple years. It was like, well... I don't know. I think they're on 23 or 20. They're on 23. Or yeah. 23 years ago. I think it was like three years ago. Okay. It was definitely pre pandemic. Okay. Um, like what is time anymore? I don't Hello. know. Um, so it was called like part 13. I get, I can IMDB. I don't know. You, well, you could look it up. I'll look it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm Rachel Paula green on IMDB because you know, you I have to be to stand out a little bit. Yeah. And also make sure I get paid when I work. Come on. <laughs> Come you on. Know. They're like, oh, this is a pseudonym. Um, You're like, no, it's not. But yeah, it was probably, it was a very controversial episode amongst the fans. <laughs> oh, I've probably seen it then. Wait, because what? Because it, it completely went outside of the traditional format. Like, you know how it's normally like, dum dum, whatever. Mm-hmm. No, that's the original one. It's like the crime happens. Yep. Right. You see the crime or you see the buildup, you see the crime. Then it goes back to maybe like the crime scene and Olivia and whatever. I wish Stabler, but he wasn't on the show anymore. Oh, come on, Zaddy. Are you watching Organized Crime? Girl, you know I'm watching. I've watched every episode. Oh my God. So my my friend Rachel, she works in in the office in the whatever that unit is. She's the, the Asian woman. Oh, she's so pretty. She's she's on a oh, lot. She's gorgeous. She's she, oh, she's so she's so funny too. She's like they make me look like a boy. I'm like Rachel. You couldn't look like a boy on your worst fucking day. No, like, she, they just pulled your hair back in a ponytail. Shut up. Yeah, she looks great. Whatever. <laughs> and I'm like you got to be with Chris Maloney every day. Fuck off. Yeah, <sighs> really fuck off. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so it, this one was a different one because uh, it was rather than like go investigate the scene and all the stuff, it's like 80% of the episode took place in the courtroom. So it, it was more like the old school law and order uh, rather than SVU. Yeah. And the whole thing, I mean, I don't think I'm giving anything away, but like the whole thing was that uh, the woman who had killed her husband, who was a retired cop who had been abusing her for years, she finally like lost her shit and was like, fuck you, stop abusing me, boom. And Olivia interviews her and she's like, do you regret doing it? And the woman was like, no. And then Olivia was like, really torn up of like, you know, having to swear. I Also, I'm the only time that she's ever sworn in. They never do that. But like, I got to like put her hand on the Bible. I got to touch her hand. Oh my God. So it was like a short and sweet scene. And unfortunately they cut my, you know. Close up. Direct to camera, Ah. like looking at her. Oh, you know, uh, that show has a really high budget. So they had like a genie, like 30 foot, in the air, yeah. like to get the above shot. I'm like, this is so gratuitous. Um, <laughs> They're like, but we can. <laughs> they don't do that shit anymore. I feel like post, like oh. during COVID because like they just want to get you in and out. Yeah, you know? yeah. When I did flight attendant. I I was wrapped within like, I don't know, five or six hours. Like it wasn't like a long day the way it used to be. Wow. Yeah. And s- same thing with um, when I did FBI. It was like, 
my call time was like, you know, obnoxious, like 6 a.m. But I was done by like 10.30. Damn. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, they are. Yeah. They're turning and burning. Yeah, because, you know, there's just so much more regulations yeah. and they just want you in and out and less exposure. And yeah, the shows are still good. Like they're, they're not wasting anything. It's fine. Ah, oh, that's amazing. Well, I'm, thank you for indulging me because I just love oh talking. Like, sure. I love when, talking about yeah, this shit. Yeah. When people are on the shows that I love, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's my favorite. Okay. <laughs> and then just to wrap up this section. So why would you, why are you described as someone who will make you laugh while reading your energy? with a crystal up your butt are you like a you have a spiritual practice i assume so i am a reiki master um uh, in between all of that stuff that i told you about oh yeah by the way i also like became a reiki master amazing (laughs) and yeah thank you and i'm totally into you know energy work and all that witchy woo woo shit and crystals and tarot and you know that's another big way that kirsten and i connect connect and um, yeah, and I'm super intuitive and empathic, almost like to a fault, you know, because I could feel everything. It's um, exhausting. Yeah. So that's that's why we sort of said that because, you know, I could definitely, yeah. I love it. And we, we're both very interested in the idea of crystal butt plugs. We haven't bought them yet. But you, I did not know that was it. a thing. That's ex- so exciting. I didn't I didn't know you could do that. Well, you know, they, they the, the first ones that came out, I think were, um, they called it like the Yoni egg, right? Which oh. Oh, like, sure. Yeah. Goop was selling those for like, your yeah, vagina. Yeah. Which apparently you have to be really careful because some crystals are like porous and you could get bacteria. So you have to really be careful Ooh. and obviously make sure it's like, you know, fully, you can't drop a crystal because then it'll get little cracks. And anyway. Oh, shit. So I haven't done that. Um, but, you know, the butthole can take a lot of, oh, the vagina can take can a take lot a too. Beating. But, um, you know, she's a little more... Uh, fragile when it comes sure. to the pH balance. <laughs> sure. There's a there's a system down there that's that's working to mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. to our benefit, sometimes not. Okay. Amazing. Well, uh yeah, you would definitely fit in if you were a bicoastal human. So come on out here. We need more witchy woo-woo Thank people you. out here. It's my favorite yeah. shit. Okay. Well folks, we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're gonna move on to the entrees after a quick break. We are back and now it is time for the entrees. Okay, Rachel, the way this works is I ask you a bunch of questions, but it's not, I always call them rapid fire. They're not, please tell stories. And I sort of, I always start with the same question, but we sort of dip in and out. Um, we have some standards, but feel free to tell all the stories. We're here for it. The audience loves this part. Okay, so what was your first job ever where the government was taking taxes out of your uh, money? So some people say like babysitting paper out, whatever, but what was one where the, the government knew you were employed in said position? I was a cashier at a supermarket. Yes. Wait, cashier is the most coveted position. How'd you get, did you ever start, did you start as bagger or you went straight to cashier? I, you know, I went straight to cashier. I was, a, I'm a, you know, I'm a smart kid. So I was like 14. Holy you know? shit. At 14, yeah, they're letting you deal with money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I did well in school and uh, I guess I interviewed well and. Yeah, like I was always just like way ahead of myself. I started videotaping weddings with my dad when I was like 10. Wow. And babysitting. Yeah, I was like babysitting when I was 10. I mean, it was like always within the neighborhood. So clearly my parents could, you know, be Intervene. there if anything happened. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I was just, I wanted to be an adult so bad. And right now I wish I was a kid, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the, the paradox of existence. Agreed. Mm. Okay, so you you were a cashier at a supermarket and did you ever yeah. like, was there a period where you were like, I want to do this forever? Or did you ever, did you love it? Or was it like, I'm just doing this to do this? Ironically, I got promoted to price checker. You would think that, that would be a demotion. Yeah. But it was like, you know, with the gun. Yeah. You know, 
I, I don't know. That's just how that worked. Uh, no, I did not love it there. I mean, we made the best of it. There were other kids that like I went to school with that worked there as well. And we would like, you know, smoke cigarettes in the break room. And <laughs> we'd use like these uh, Reese's pieces, like ice cream things as like hockey pucks. And we yes. would like shoot them down the aisles. And <laughs> Yes. Amazing. You know, I, would, I worked in an ice, I, I worked in an ice cream shop, you know, just, yeah, I did all sorts of weird shit because I was just, you know, I wanted to, uh, my parents were never giving me an allowance. They just, they couldn't afford that. So it was always just like, okay, well, if I want to smoke weed, I have to. <laughs> I got to get hustling. <laughs> <to> make money. <laughs> so were they, did they play, because you had mentioned your dad filmed weddings, were they professional uh, French horn players as their actual mm-hmm. full income? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, uh, my dad was a Broadway musician for, Ooh. I don't know, like 10 or 15 years. Unfortunately, most of it was like before I, uh, I was an age that I could appreciate it. You know, sure. it was like a lot of the 70s and early 80s. And um, and yeah, I wasn't alive for a lot of that too. So yeah. And my mom is, um, you know, well, now she's semi-retired, but a school teacher. And they met playing in a professional band. Um, yeah, like back in the day, people appreciated classical music a lot more than they do now. Sure. And all around New York City, there's still some of them. They have like band shells. And, you know, now, you know, you'll have like the, the whatever, more modern day people performing there. But they used to have these like symphonic bands that would come and play and they would do, you know... Uh, a series of like classical stuff and then they might uh they would play like the fox and the hound and the and the kids would come up and play bird whistles and Aww. then uh they would have like um what do they call it oh they had they had a, a dixieland section where it's like bam, 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 bam. i love bam, that bam, 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 you know and they'd play that kind of real fun more like jazzy you know big band kind of stuff yeah so. So, yeah, it was really cool. And and my dad taught privately. My mom teaches privately. Um, so there was a lot of French horn coming out of the basement. Oh, I bet Some that really got good, some Some really not great, awful. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so was the virtue of you starting work early because they were artists? Or was the virtue of you starting work early just because, yeah, I know you said you wanted to be an adult, but like, did your family also encourage like, hey, you need to get out there and start the hustle? Or were you like, I want to start the hustle? It was probably a little bit of everything. It was probably like my parents just couldn't afford to give me an allowance. Like I I grew up in a neighborhood that was like middle class, but the school district had very rich kids as well. And when I was in elementary school, I was like friends with them. And, you know, so I wanted to, you know, do the things that they were doing. Of course. You know, like I had to like wait to like inherit my cousin's Nintendo and, you know, her Barbies and shit. And, you know, now I tell jokes about it. It's fine. Um... (laughs) I'm resourceful as fuck. So, I mean, you know, I guess it all pays off in the end. But um, yeah, I think they did encourage me also like, you know, girl, you got to go out there and get it kind of thing. And but also I was just kind of, yeah, I wanted money. I wanted to buy clothes. And probably that's what it started. Like when you're 10, I wasn't like smoking pow when I was 10. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I just, yeah, I wanted clothes, maybe candy. And then, yeah, by the time I was like 14 or then I was like I want to smoke weed and so I need to get access to that yeah sneak some alcohol oh yeah good for you Long Island man (laughs) I was just gonna say you sound like you're from New York uh, proper so that's good um okay I I used to talk like this did you really (laughs) I love it I did I used to well it was like (laughs) and actually 
it was actually like a little bit more chola at one point. Yeah. Like, you don't know who the fuck you talking to. Like, whatever. What are you looking at? Whatever. Oh mind your fucking business, bitch. Mm. <laughs> wait, you know? I love that. And That's like, so oh. familiar. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm white. I don't need to talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a cultural influence thing. I don't think you were hijacking. You were just like, this is what yeah, I grew up no, around. I'm, I'm yeah, that's what that, that's what I was doing. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about, you know? Oh my God, I love so it. So it was like very kind of, it was like Long Island meets, you know, like kind of like, I, I love coming into the city a lot. <laughs> and I have my baggy jeans and my nails and I have my big door knocker earrings and my red lipstick, you know? Wait, if I straight up close this, I can tell you do VO work. If I straight up closed my eyes, I can see that character. Like I see her top <laughs> to bottom. I've met her, I've hung out with her. She's a really good uh-huh. time. Like. That's a that's a such a solid voice of yours. I love it. Okay, so what? Oh, thank you. Wait, what, I'll show you a picture. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. So, what transitioned you out of using that voice though? Was there a point when you were like, I gotta, I gotta quit this? I don't really know when the exact. Oh wait, this way. Oh, what? Oh, audience, I wish you could see this photo. You're you're gonna have to send me that. That's gonna be the picture for the episode. Yeah. I am deceased. That is the best. You were committed, <laughs> you and your oh, white yeah. ass. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Don't fuck with me. I'm gonna get my crew. We gonna come fuck you up." You know, who you talking to? Mm. Oh my god! So, what was the moment when you were like, "I gotta stop this"? I think it gradually. I don't know. Probably like as I progressed, that the, the the real heavy chola phase was like twelve to fourteen, fifteen. Oh, okay. I was also I was also way ahead of myself. Sexually, I was really curious. You know, I had older friends. I found my dad's porn when I was eight. So I was like, I just wanted to experience everything like right away. Yeah. And yeah, probably by the time I was like 16, I think, you know, that started to go away a little bit. I I still was sassy as fuck, but. Sure. But so were you checking or cashiering people at the grocery store with that that voice? No, I I think I was pretty, (laughs) I think I could like. Dip in and out. Yeah, I was always pretty savvy and, you know, and, you know, my mom was always very much into like appropriateness, you know, so I don't think I was like, yo, your total is (laughs) $16.99. Have a nice day, bitch. You know, (laughs) I would love it. I'm dead. That I that would have been really funny though. Yes. And it, honestly, if I were at that ca- at the grocery store and you were talking to me like that, I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to stand here and watch her interact with other humans. Like, this is amazing. Okay. So how many customer service jobs would you say you've had total? And I would argue comedy <sighs> acting. I'd say that that stuff is customer service. It's a, it's a yeah. version of it. So how many have you? I mean, personally well, let's see. I've videotaped weddings for a very long time. Cashier, ice cream shop, babysitter. Um, oh my God, in college, I like transcribed a psychologist's recordings. Ooh. I guess that's oh, so weird. Oh, I you bet. Know, inappropriate. I was yeah. like, why am I listening to these people's personal shit? Like, uh, in hindsight, it's probably not great. Um, <sighs> done a lot of like administrative work. Right, yeah. same. Um, I'm an yeah. executive assistant still to this day. I worked at BMW Motorcycles once. That was fun. Oh, is that sexy? And, yeah, well, no, not really. It was <laughs> no. like the insurance part of it. But oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a fucking BMW bike and I'm going to ride around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I could have afforded the bike because they had like a leasing plan. Sure. But I was so young that the insurance would have been more than the bike itself. Oh, so, not worth it. You know. Yeah. Okay. And so- then, yeah. 
So you you yeah, do the EA so stuff? I now? don't know. Like I didn't count. But okay. Well, that lot. was one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> that's seven that we've seven if we or eight if we include comedy that's been acknowledged. But you I, you oh, I would assume yeah. myriad under like under those. There's a oh yeah, of, I bartended oh, at one point. Okay. Didn't last very long because I like drinking. Um, <laughs> Makes it a little hard to do that job. Understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did have Reiki clients. Yeah. Um, that is for yeah. sure customer service. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, would you want to, we could round it off at, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Well, just round it off at 10, but you've probably had more than that, but we'll yeah. say a solid 10. Okay. Yeah. That's um, what comes to mind. All right. What was your favorite of all of those jobs? And obviously oh, comedy um, and like that's great. And, you know, we're not including your current yeah. position. So you're not coming for your current job. But what was your favorite of those? No, uh, probably a tie between um, the Reiki master stuff and bartending. Yeah, really? But you only bartended for I, I, I only bartended for like six months. I loved it. And I actually I, I'm still to this day fascinated with mixology. I mean, I just I love the, the craft of it, the chemistry, the science. I'm like, ooh, 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 and like, you know, there's just so many ways to craft an amazing cocktail. Um, but like anything else, you had to apprentice. Oh. And I was like, oh, fuck, another thing when I have to like lift kegs up a flight of steps like to earn my key. I can't. I can't apprentice at one more thing in life because I, you Oof. know, with the acting and everything, like I, I, I didn't go to Yale or Juilliard, you know, I, I took classes in New York City and, you know, did that kind of shit. So I was like, I can't work my way up from nothing for one more thing, even though I went ahead and ended up doing that with <laughs> <laughs> but oh got it no one's ever said that before and i resonate so hard with the i just can't apprentice it one more thing in life like it's soul sucking at a certain point yeah yeah and you know once i realized like i actually really do enjoy comedy and it, it's fulfilling in a lot of ways even though it, it can really suck in a lot of ways <laughs> i was like okay you need to just stop with this like learning something new, you yeah. know, and trying something <laughs> new. You, know? you got to quit I with mean, this effort. I dedicated like, uh, I dedicated like 13 years of my life to fucking musical theater and had some really amazing experiences. But, you know, I just was exhausted. Yeah, like the audition girl. process was such a bitch and waking up early and going and standing on line and then... You know, my whole bullshit and the, the bitches curling their hair in the corner. And, oh, like I just don't miss that at all. Yeah, that hustle's specific. And yeah, did, now did you have any like nepotistic ins because your dad was, you know, being a Broadway musician? Nothing. Not, mm, not a drop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not yeah. even a little bit. That's not annoying. Even a little bit. No. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad phased out by like I think it was. I don't know, mid eighties. Oh, okay. So you were Um, removed from that. Yeah. And he's like a real humble dude, even though he's like brilliant at it. Um, So yeah. Even though he like worked with like, you know, Patty Lapone and Raul Julia, like I I don't think he would like call them up, you know? (laughs) Yeah. He's got some really cool stories. I bet he does. Yeah. Okay. What was your least favorite or what is your least favorite of all of the customer service jobs you've had? Um, the weddings at the end got really grueling. And I, at that point, I had seen so many people who were not actually in love. That I, I was like, if I, do, if I do this anymore, I am going to be so damn cynical. 
and I'm never going to get married. And so I stopped. Yeah. I literally wrote down, I was like, all right, I'm going to have to try and work it in. I was like, how many mm-hmm. weddings did you go to that you were like, this is going to end in divorce? I literally wrote that down as a question. So what good transition. Oh it's like we scripted it. Did you see weddings where you were like, this couple's not going to last? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and I knew I was going to tell you this story somehow. So it's all perfect. Um, <laughs> we did this one wedding where the groom's brother and the bride's brother were so wasted, they got in a fist fight. Oh. And it was <laughs> and it was a very extravagant wedding. It was beautiful. And they had those glass vases with like the marbles and the orchids and, you know, like really tall. And one of them got knocked over. So there's water and there's marble and there's glass. And they're they're like in fisticuffs. And then the groom got so drunk tried to make out with me. No, 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 ma'am. I mean, it was just like such a shit show. Yeah. So you see this all happen. I'm sure that wedding, that marriage didn't last. (laughs) Oh no, they're they're doing great. They're, they're healthy. It sounds like Um, not toxic at all. So when, how did you avoid getting kissed by the intoxicated cheating groom? (sighs) You know, a little, I, I saw it coming. You know, because uh, like uh, when you're sober and someone's drunk, they're moving way slower than you. That's right. So like I, I kind of like, I think he was like thanking me for something and he was clearly like slurring and like, you know, he went in to like give me a kiss like a, as a oh, thank you. Yeah. And I saw like, oh, he's coming for the mouth. So I just kind of turned, turned your head. head. But good yeah. Lord. Oof. Okay, so you're seeing these fights happen. How are you as the videographer? Like, I would have been real tempted to start filming the chaos. So what? So tem- I, I looked at my dad and I was like, can we tape this? And he's like, no, we don't want to get sued. And I was like, okay, fine. Oh, it would have been real oh, hard. There were, there were so many times that we were like, oh man, fucking America's Home Video. Oh yeah, or like <laughs> a wedding saw? blooper thing or like shit, you could have been mm-hmm. huge on YouTube of just like, this just happened at the oh, wedding yeah. last night. Okay. Yeah, there were, there were two more that, that I could tell you about. Ready. I'm yeah. ready for him. Tell me. Okay. Um, so one of them, a very, not, I don't want to call her elderly, but a much older woman caught the bouquet and a much younger child caught the garter. Aww. Also, also that practice like is so disgusting, heteronormative yeah. and disgusting. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So it was like, I don't know, an eight-year-old kid and like a 70-year-old woman. I mean, it just was, so nobody knew what to do. So the still photographer, he puts out a chair for her because that was, you know, the tradition is she sits down, yeah. he like puts the garter up her leg and we're all like, this isn't happening, right? Right? I don't know what to do. What are we doing? So he puts out the chair and then he pulls it away and then he puts out the chair again and then he pulls it out and then she goes to sit down and just smashes her ass on the floor. And we're all like, what a dick. <gasps> what an absolute <gasps> asshole. No, like he didn't, he didn't know, like it was, he didn't do it on purpose. It was one of those oh. things like he was, it was like, no, he was a sweet dude. He literally was just really awkward and didn't know what to do. Oh. And I think when he went to pull it out, he like turned oh, no. and she happened to sit down. Like he just, it he wasn't didn't. on purpose at all. Like oh. he just, and then, and then he was like, oh my God. And of course he was like super apologetic and like scared, you know. Oh my God. So did she, did he, did the little kid end up giving a lap dance to the grandma? No. Like what happened? (laughs) I think everyone just agreed. Okay. This is really awkward. We need to like move on to let's cut the cake. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) 
And speaking of cake, um, my dad had designed this like giant cart, right? Where it was like wheelchair wheels and like wood. And so it would have like a wheelchair battery and a monitor and like this column that went up and down. So like, it was like studio quality, but also portable, right? And it was like a super VH camera, really big, like, you know, gigantic camera. But it like the weddings were gorgeous. They came out really nice. And so he would do that. And I would have like the little more like a high eight camera and I would get like the cutaways and, you know, go in the back rooms and get all the cool shit. Yeah. And one day he was like, I guess he was just like really engaged in whatever he was getting. Maybe like the father and the daughter were dancing or whatever. And he's backing up and he's backing up and he's backing up. And I'm seeing this, but I'm across the room. And oh obviously God. I can't yell because they're in the middle of the day. My dad backed up directly into the cake. Oh my God. Did he knock it down? <laughs> no, but like half of it was on the back of his tuxedo. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Were they oh like furious? God. Um, they were, I think we all kind of laughed at it. I mean, the bride was kind of annoyed, but she was like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the, I mean, roll with it. Oh my God. Oh my God. Did you, uh, if anything, my mom was more pissed that she had to clean the tux, like (laughs) send it to the dry cleaner like three times before it looked normal again. (laughs) She's like, we're losing money on this investment here. Okay. So it's like, what the hell? (laughs) My uh, sister's friend is a wedding planner and he has a theory that has proven a hundred percent true for him. So I'm wondering if you noticed this too. He said that during the cake uh, exchange of the feeding each other cake, which is such an odd thing. He said in Mm -hmm. his experience of planning weddings, 100% of the time, if the couple smashes the cake in each other's face, they end up divorced. And if they feed it to Mm -hmm. each other lovingly, they've, they've stayed together. That's been his, that's, I mean, granted, I don't know in 2022, if that's still true, but that was true. That that's proven his theory. Did you notice any of that where you're like, oh, if they smash the cake in each other's faces, they're not happy? No, sometimes it was cute. Um, I, um, that's an interesting theory. I mean, I never saw the people ever again. After oh, I guess that's a great point too. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel like there were people who would do it like vengefully. Yeah. And they're like, oh shit, you know? And like, he doesn't care. Like, and he's getting cake all over this like really expensive dress she's wearing. And yeah. Um, but then other times, like, I don't know, it was kind of like they were playful about it. Sure. But yeah, the feeding, I guess is, is, is better. Did you, yeah, was there anything? Cute. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I'm just picturing like the cute feeding. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. There are cute moments. Was there ever a, a, an incident at the weddings where you were like, get me the fuck out of here? I mean, I assume the fisticuffs experience was probably not super, you know, didn't feel great. But was there ever a wedding where you're like, I want this to be done right now? Yeah. Well, yeah. A lot of the time. <laughs> um, and, and eventually I would just drink. Um, of course. You know. Yeah. Like my dad and I would go like smoke weed during the cocktail hour and then we'd come back. And like, especially um, if it was a catering hall where we knew the staff, you know, yeah. they'd be like sneaking me drinks and stuff. There were a couple of bridezillas for sure. And uh, yeah. And oftentimes we just like always had to go through the kitchen because like, you know, we were the hired help and God forbid we should be seen walking through the front door. And <laughs> so ridiculous. So just like really, you know, being next to a dumpster and lugging like, you know, 50 pounds of shit up like, you know, flights of steps and just being like, wait, why are we doing this? And like, yeah. Um, But there were some like, you know, some pretty cool ones. There was one where the couple like was genuinely like so sweet, so in love. 
and their giveaway, which we got to keep as well, was like a beautiful mahogany box with a rose quartz crystal, a candle, and like a scroll of their like expression of their love. I was, I lost my shit. I would have too. I think I like was actually crying at their ceremony. It was so beautiful. Oh, wow. So can you, going back to the, because that's positive and great, but I want to hear about the bridezillas. Uh, I hear yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me what, what, what's an example of like something you went through with a bridezilla? Well, this is actually just kind of funny, but I feel like I have this recollection. I mean, I didn't see it, but apparently there was one where this bitch was so tight, literally was just so uh, that, um, her maid of honor had to give her like an enema so she could shit like because she was so tense. Oh my God. Bless her. On her wedding day, had to give her an enema? On her fucking wedding day. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was like in the bathroom for a while and we're all like, you know, I I think we were, there was always like a certain timing, especially if it was done at a catering hall. It was like, okay, great. It's a five hour affair. And from this time to this time, we have a cocktail hour and then we go and then, we have them walk in the room and then you have the first dance and then, you know, there's the appetizer or the salad and then there's dancing and then eventually, you know, there's the garter and the the bouquet and then there's the cake and then let's dance, the last dance, you know, and then you leave and you shoot yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you fuck a bridesmaid, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think they were like waiting to do the bouquet or something and she like, she's not coming out. We're like, what the fuck? And then they were like, yeah, I think she's got an animal in the bathroom. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. The level of friendship. Nothing and nothing. It was like she was just one of those people that like nothing you could do would be right. Everything you did was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, it was like she didn't like the angle of something. She didn't like the way we're interviewing people. She didn't like where we placed ourselves in the church. You know, it was just one. No one did anything right. That's yeah. such a lonely life because you know that that doesn't just, ex- that's not her only experience where nothing is right. I feel like people like no. that, it's like everything is wrong 100% of the time. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And, you know, on some level, I get like, look, it's your special day, right? And a lot of people have dreamed about this since they were kids and whatever. And so, you know, when things are not what you ordered, like I get that, you mm-hmm. know, but mm-hmm. like also like enjoy the day. Make yeah. It work. You get to do it you once know. in theory, like, what? Yeah, in yeah. theory, <laughs> you know, yeah, you hope. You hope. <laughs> statistically it's, it's not in, in your favor to only do it once, but whatever. Okay. Yep. And what's like the weirdest thing that happened at any of your jobs, but maybe specifically like the wedding thing that you can think of besides, I mean, again, a fist fight where shit was getting broken, pretty intense, but it was there anything else yeah. that was super odd? Odd? Uh, I mean, we did a lot of Greek weddings and even though I'm not Greek, I look Greek to a lot of people. Yeah, you do. You a hundred percent do. Yeah. And especially my hair is normally curly too. So, and in the summertime I get more tan and yeah. And so oftentimes like, you know, the best man or one of the groomsmen would just, um, decide that they wanted me to dance with them and I would just have to stop doing my job and dance with them, do traditional Greek dances. And oh. my dad was like, well, you know, they're, we're paying, they're paying us. If that's what they want to pay for, then like you go dance with them. So <laughs> yeah, So many, so many times the, you know, I was young and hot and I guess, you know, and, and yeah, a lot of times I got pulled on the dance floor and, wow. um, <laughs> 
They're like, we need this videographer's ass out here, getting people hyped. Here we go. You know? Yeah. And I was the one that would like, you know, go interview people. So you would like get to know them. And, you know, I was always a comedian in my heart, probably. You sure. Know? So I was charming and whatever. And yeah. Or like um, if we did like the black weddings and they would have like. Soul Train. Uh, you know, just like, uh, I can't think of it. But the, those songs where it's like, you know, there's a routine that yeah. goes along with cha -cha everybody slide. clap yeah. your hands, ch -ch 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 slide, yeah. and you yeah. know, whatever have you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or the electric slide. Sure. And they'd be like, come on, do it with us. And I'd be like, okay. You know, that'd be fun, actually. I wouldn't hate that, but it's awkward. Yeah. No, that was actually fun. But as far as odd, actually, what comes to mind when I worked at the ice cream shop, oh, bless his heart, the owner was really sweet, but he was an alcoholic and a pothead. And one day, he locked himself in the freezer by accident. And so... Oh, my God. So they had to, like, I don't know. They think they had to, like, you know, he was in there for a while because, you know, it was either me or my friend Jamie. Um, and I think neither of us was there. And oh, poor thing. You know, bless. I hope he's still alive. I don't know. Wait, did he end up with, like, hypothermia or anything? Like, did he have to go to the hospital? No, I think it, it was only, like, two hours. So he was just really cold, you know. Oh, my God. And so he was he just, like, banging and somebody finally heard him? Okay, folks, that's going to do it for us here at Service from Hell tonight with part one with Rachel Green. Join us next week for part two, where she comes back and wraps up the rest of her insane stories from her time working in customer service and also from her time being on set and being a comic. She has a lot more to bring to this table, so make sure you join us next week for part two. 